Approximately 15 million students are enrolled in an undergraduate program in the United States, according to bestcolleges.com. Roughly 8.6 million are pursuing a bachelor's degree. As of 2020, 63% of students who completed high school or a GED certificate entered college. Furthermore, as of 2020, 40% of all 18 to 24-year-old students have enrolled in at least one post-secondary program. Which places an increased emphasis on transitional planning from high school to college if we are to ensure students overall success and wellness both from an educational and personal standpoint. Dr. Melissa Wicker is currently serving as the Assistant Director of Outreach for the Zero Institute on Transition and self-determination. In her current role, she is responsible for conducting custom training and personal development programs to foster long-term relationships with over a hundred school districts and educational departments on a national level which focus on individual needs. Wicker joined me this week to have an in-depth discussion on the importance of quality transitional planning, fundraising, and educational development to ensure that all students of all abilities have an equal shot at educational, personal, and lifestyle success during their tenure as a student at the University of Oklahoma. It was a wide-ranging discussion of tremendous value from an educational and lifestyle perspective. So without further delay, I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. take a moment to welcome you uh, to the program and I'm super excited to talk to you about your role in higher education. Great to see you this afternoon and thank you so very much for a few minutes. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So Melissa, in your current role, I know you focus on fund development. You also focus uh, uh, a lot on building relationships and Transitional planning, the work that you do for the University of Oklahoma sounds fascinating. So I'm wondering if you could tell me all about the great work that you do. Sure. 
So right now I am uh, the assistant director of outreach for the Zero Institute, which is um, at the University of Oklahoma, like you said. So I do um, that outreach and I also am um, the tag coordinator. So we have an online assessment uh, that's uh, that helps create uh, transition goals for students that are moving from middle school to high school and then high school to post-secondary education. <coughs> Excuse me. So. <coughs> Sorry, for the tag assessment, um, I manage the back end of that. So all of the um, purchasing, um, all of the invoicing, all of that. Um, but I also do all of the training um, or most of the training uh, for different school districts um, and uh, uh, schools and teachers in general um, for that assessment and then how to use it in, in their planning. Um, I do a lot um, of work with our doctoral students. So currently we have um, 10 doctoral, doctoral students. So I help them uh, with their writing, um, their research, and some other um, uh, activities and projects that they come up with. Um, I get to teach some undergraduate students, uh, pre-service teachers as well. But the bulk of our, our work is really transition-related research. So I do um, a lot with literacy and transition, um, and then, again, assisting um, the doctoral students with the different projects and research projects that they have. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a large part of your work, Melissa, Melissa centers around building relationships and really mm -hmm. fostering relationships with the different stakeholders that you work with. So tell me about the importance of building relationships in the work that you do. Uh, well, they're they're key um, to personal and institutional success. Um, so as you know, for me, uh, the relationship and that trust that that has to be built between being a professor and, a, and, and my students or being a mentor to the graduate students or being just a member of the team in general um, are really imperative. Um, uh, that way everybody can work together. Um, but then beyond just within um, the college um, and within our institute, um, building relationships between, um, you know, the researcher and the research participants and the research team, um, that trust is vital. Uh, knowing that I can depend on you, you can depend on me. Um, knowing that we have each other's best interests in mind. Um, and then again, beyond that, even building relationships with institutions and organizations and school personnel and school districts. Um, that's really, uh, again, at the heart of what we do is, is building relationships so that we can help and support um, them in, their, in what they need. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Melissa, I'm just going to tell you, tell you a little bit about myself. So I was born with what's called uh, spastic quadriplegia cerebral palsy. Uh, simply means that I don't have enough uh, oxygen in my legs to walk normally. And I, uh, going through my own educational journey, when I was of college age, I know that transitional planning for students with disabilities is certainly vitally important to their success. So I'm wondering your thoughts on uh, the, the importance of transitional planning specifically for, for uh, students with disabilities and how critical you think that is. 
It's critical. And I, you know, even beyond students with disabilities, I think if we want any student, especially students with disabilities, to be successful after they leave high school, they need to have the skills um, in order to do so. So we do a lot um, with that transition planning, helping teachers see the importance of um, independent living skills, social skills, self-determination, you know, academic, all of the, there's all sorts of moving components to that transition um, plan. And then not just the planning part, but actually teaching those skills directly as well. Um, and then we're fortunate, we actually have um, a, uh, a program here uh, through the Institute called Sooner Works. Um, and so it's specifically designed for students with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, so they live on campus and attend classes just like every other student. Um, and then we provide some additional layers of support to help with this transition. Um, so they receive some person-centered planning and then some specific um, instruction on um, life skills as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that a big part of your job, as you said at the beginning, is fundraising, but it's also development as well. So I'm, I'm wondering how you strike a balance between the two, uh, between the two, really raising money, but also making sure that the development piece is also taken care of as well. For sure. So a large part of our fundraising is um, in the form of grant writing. So we um, typically write five to six grants per year. Um, so that is a, a whole process in and of itself. If um, And so it takes a lot of teamwork, um, a lot of intensive um, days, uh, but then there's usually a lag in between that. In addition to um, the grant writing, we uh, host a summer institute every summer um, that also is a fundraising effort for us. And so we um, provide professional development for teachers um, and other educational stakeholders that um, centers around transition and transition planning. Um, and then, uh, you know, development-wise, going out, um, outreach, uh, promoting what we do, um, encouraging people to utilize our resources, which are all free, um, making those connections. Um, but it's really kind of hard to separate those out. Um, I think one is extremely dependent on the other. Um, you can't... Uh, uh, develop grants or um, encourage participants to come um, to trainings unless you've you've uh, built those relationships and and shown them that what the work that you're doing is is important and it supports oh. them directly. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, well, I'm also fascinated to ask you about the process of outreaching to your different stakeholders because you know not everybody operates the same way you are. Your I might. So I'm wondering if there are any sort of uh, principles to live by when conducting outreach, knowing that not the same shoe will fit everybody. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious about the principles of outreach that you follow, if you follow any at all. Yeah, well, I think, again, that it just back to the relationships. Um, so listening to them and, and listening to understand what their needs are and what they um, their um, outcomes that they want to see are, um, rather than just listening to hear and then pushing your own agenda. Um, valuing and appreciating where they come from um, and their experiences and their knowledge, um, you know, and then and then using all of that information to find a commonality, some some 
common ground that we can build on um, so they experience growth, um, but they also feel like what they've done so far is is validated and it's good. Um, we just want to expand that information. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Melissa, it's also important in my view, in order to make progress, you forgot to have the ability to set goals and really challenge yourself to reach milestones of achievement. So I'm curious, in the work that you do, how important is goal setting and reaching milestones as well? It's imperative to getting anything done, anything accomplished. Um, even like when transition, you know, it, creating IEP goals, transition goals, there's um, there are specific steps and there are specific um, due dates and milestones to to achieve along the way. Um, so, it, it you know, our my ultimate goal for for creating goals is really to to um, improve myself and improve um, the lives of the people around me. So, um, you know, making or having others um, help me uh, hold myself um, accountable, um, collaborating with others, um, using the power of my network um, to learn from other people and how they manage projects um, and um, how different perspectives might um, help me. Um, and then, you know, doing my research and, and, and making sure that I am um, in, in utilizing some best practices um, with that goal setting um, and then mentoring um, and then demonstrating that to others as well. Yeah, and as you mentioned before, are you uh, over to the online assessment system? And I, I, I know that online assessment has really sort of evolved over the course of time. So I'm, what are your thoughts on how uh, valuable the online assessment tool really is? And, whether you look to get different metrics out of it that you didn't necessarily look to get out of it five to ten years ago. Yeah, um, it's really interesting. The the um, so the tag assessment um, provides um, assessment or excuse me um, assesses students um, uh, knowledge towards transition um, skills um, and abilities, and so then it provides teachers with um, transition goals. So the original one um, is the high school version, and it was developed about 10 years ago. Um, and so it's been through lots of validations um, and it's, uh, um, but as we move on and we've developed um, uh, one additional one and we're in the process of doing another one, the literature and, and the skills that are needed in order to be successful after high school are, are vastly different than that, what they were um, 10 years ago. So we're seeing a lot more of that um, social emotional part of um, transition planning and um, success after after high school. So I think, you know, when you're going through um, assessments online, I think um, a lot of them are have their place. And um, but just making sure that we're using some that are actually going to do good for students rather than just kill time um, and not provide the outcomes or the information that's really going to benefit them in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Melissa, I know in the work that you do that a multitasking is something that you do on a regular basis. So how do you uh, develop a work-life balance that really works for you and really allows you to really reconnect with your inner self at the end of the day? 
Yeah, uh, that's a really great question because I think I still struggle with that balance a lot. Um, uh, but the calendar is my number one friend. I've um, as I get older and and more things going on, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, so <laughs> even scheduling time for my family and for myself, I think it's got to be um, an intentional act. Um, and then delegating um, some tasks when when I can. Um, and again, coming back to that relationship and trust um, to that those tasks will get done. But then creating schedules and routines. So I I schedule things at work. I do specific things that's on specific days, um, and that way I can kind of stay on top of the the chaos that sometimes uh, is when you get super busy. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell you just a quick story. So I used to I used to work at our local YMCA here as the lead job developer for uh, our our clients with disabilities and my boss's desk and my desk were directly across uh, from <laughs> each other. And, and I remember specifically I'd come to work one day and my boss had stopped me before I went in the office and she said, you know, you sent me an email response after five o'clock. And, and she looked at me and she said, you know, you don't always have to send uh, a response to an email when it, directly comes into your inbox, you know, it's important to strike the balance. So I'm still working on that myself, Melissa, so I understand that completely, right? It's hard, I'm telling you, being able to turn your phone off and, and ignore some of those things that come in and, and determining for yourself what's important, uh, what needs to be answered right away, and then, you know, what, what you can wait for later on. I, I'm glad that your boss said that. I wish... I could hear that more often for myself. Well, we'll put, a, we'll put a reminder on your phone for you, okay? <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, Melissa, I've been working at uh, the University of Oklahoma. It's an interesting place to work because it's a dynamic institution, isn't it? So tell me about the benefits of working in the Midwest and at the University of Oklahoma specifically. All right. Um, I think we have um, at the university a, a, an opportunity to really connect with a wide variety of um, people from different backgrounds, um, with different specialties. So it's really interesting to get to know the different departments on campus. I think I always find um, a new one every time I go search um, for something else on the website. So it's interesting to be able to connect um, and learn what they're doing and what they're working on. Um, but as far as the Midwest, it's, it's just an interesting dynamic. We have um, some crazy weather, which, you know, that's always kind of fun uh, and, and keeps you on your toes. But, um, you know, I have to say the people, at least that that are around me um, are very generous and they're very kind and, and very supportive. And so I hope and I, you know, I wish that that in general, that more people would adopt that mentality of, of just being supportive and and uh, encouraging um, of one another. There's a there's a there's a different level of uh, mid Midwest kindness, isn't there, Melissa? Yeah, <laughs> it is. You wave to everybody; it's fine. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, and I shared with you before we started recording. I'm uh, I'm Canadian, so we over apologize for everything. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
And, and Melissa, one of my final questions for you has to do with really being on the front lines of seeing the new crop of students entering college and really helping them sort of create a transitional plan that works for them. I'm wondering how gratifying it is for you to be on the front lines of really helping to mold the future of our next generation of leaders. It's exciting, um, and it's and it's an opportunity to learn from them just as much as as we can, um, you know, teach them different skills as well. Um, we have, you know, our students with the Student Works programs keep us on our toes. They're hilarious. Um, they, you know, give us lots of stories, and we get to live some college experiences through them, uh, which is fun because it's been several years since many of us <laughs> since we went through the the undergrad experience. Um, but then, uh, you know, just even in in traditional undergrad class classrooms, it's it's interesting to see um, and learn their perspectives and and what they know and what they value. Um, and then working with pre service teachers to be able to um, hopefully impart a little bit of information so that when they go out to their own classrooms, um, they can make just as big a difference um, as everybody else. Yeah, and, and I've got two uh, more questions for you, and the first is about educational diversity and resilience and how you think the two are not only interconnected, but how you think they can play a part to really uh, forming the future of education. Diversity is it's it's it has to be there for there to be any type of educational growth um we need different voices we need different experiences um and not only that but they need to be forefronted too um I, for too long there's been you know one viewpoint um one way of doing things and and being able to um think past that and um incorporate the voices of people that that haven't traditionally been heard i think is imperative yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, my final question for you this afternoon has to do with your own personal and professional legacy. How you want that to be defined? Oh, um, I think in general, just that I had some type of impact on an individual. I, it, you know, at the end of the day, if I can say that that I made a difference um, in in one person's life, I would be. I'm okay with that. Um, Professionally, or excuse me, personally, I I, I hope that um, my friends and my family think that I was present for them. So again, stri striking that uh, work-life balance um, and making intentional time and making intentional connections with them, so they feel supported. Um, and then professionally, I you know explore. Uh, I I hope that uh, the people that I come in contact with um, feel like that I encourage their growth and their exploration. Um, and hopefully I made some at least small change um, in a student or colleagues um, way they look at the world or the way they do something. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Melissa, I, I finally want to ask you if people want to get connected with you or the good work that you do at the University of Oklahoma, what's the best way they can do that? 
Uh, well, our website um, is zero institute at OU dot, or, uh, zero institute .ou edu. excuse me, um, is a really great place to start, but um, they're welcome to email me um, and I can provide that for you, but it's um, mwicker at ou.edu, super simple. Um, and then, you know, reach out on LinkedIn or other social media as well. Fantastic. Well, Melissa, I really want to thank you for your work in higher education and educational transitional planning. Your work in the space and time on my behalf this afternoon is most appreciated. And I want to sincerely thank you for being here today. Well, again, thank you so much for, for having me and, and feeling that I had something um, helpful to offer. So I appreciate that validation.